your power, your authority, your greatness, your majesty, your intelligence, your omniscience, all the things that relates to you, Father. So we ask you, Lord God, that we as your <clears throat> offspring, as your creation, we thank you, Lord, for adopting us into your beloved, for making us in your image, for making us in your likeness. We thank you so much for all the intensities and intrinsic nature of <clears throat> who we are and how we have been crafted by your great, great intelligence, Father. So, Lord, we ask that you help this message to be one of clarity, of direction, and of empowerment so that we can move forward with clarity and knowing uh, what's going on in the world and how to stay close to you and how to stay free, number one. How to stay free in this age and this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right. So y'all have seen it. Y'all have seen the, if you've been on our Life Nation page, you will have seen the topic for discussion today, which is Invasion of the Soul Snatchers. <laughs> invasion of the Soul Snatchers. Now we've know what 80s or 90s flicks whenever it was invasion of the body snatchers but we're not talking about bodies we're talking about souls um this is really an incredible um i am so amazed about how this series is here so i'm going to just kind of for those who have not been on our broadcast here is the graphic for today okay all right i hold that up there for another second here for you guys All right, now you will see there in that image that I held up, there was a human being in the center of it and there were androids on either side of that human being. But the most important aspect of that particular <clears throat> image is that the human being is the one with the soul. Mm -hmm. The human being is the one with the soul. Machines do not have a soul they are soulless they have to be programmed say that again <laughs> machines have to be programmed they are soulless they are soulless so what is a soul since we're talking about it now, I pray you get some out of it. Hope in your mind and your hearts today for this. But the soul is the spiritual essence of a person. It includes the individual's identity. It includes the individual's personality. It includes an individual's senses, their will, their intelligence, and their memories so we got it identity personality senses will intelligence memories things that you cannot quantify in physical form okay so in, in essence in another definition you will see here it is an immaterial aspect or essence of a living being Believed to survive physical death. Like the Bible talks about in um, 
I believe it's in Ezekiel, talks about God says all souls, in other words, all personalities, all identities, all wills, all intelligence in all the earth that ever was in the human existence belong to the great creator. Okay? Um, another aspect of soul uh, definition, if you look at it, is more of a um, an emotional or intellectual energy, which is particularly revealed in works of arts mm -hmm. or artistic performance. So you have soul being the identity of a person, a soul being immaterial aspect that survives you know, the physical being, the physical capture, the beyond the flesh and blood, beyond the bones, beyond, you know, the skin and the hair, you know, those things, the soul goes beyond that dimension of the human existence. Okay? So now let's look at this one. There's a couple of, uh, of verses I want to share before I really get into what I'm wanting to do today. It's, number one is Matthew 16. In verse 26, it's something that it just, this just came to me so strong. Um, these couple of verses. So this first one is Matthew 16, 26. For what will it profit a person, a man, woman, if he gains the entire world, but forfeits his soul? Well, what can a man give in exchange for his soul? So now with the definitions we put together, what is it to gain the entire world if you have no identity? What is it to gain the entire world if you have no personality, if you have no sense, if you have no will, if you have no intelligence? What's the purpose of having all this resource if you are, pardon this difficult word, a dimwit? Why are people ascend, have ascended to the highest states of human leadership in the world and have very little intelligence? <laughs> okay, so what's the purpose of having all this wealth if you have no real inner man, as they say, for this whole aspect? Go ahead, Prophet. Not just very little intelligence, or like I like to say, intellectually challenged, mm -hmm. but what happens when you ascend and all of your intelligence, your essence, your very being is controlled? Controlled, right. And actually, yeah, you, you nailed it on the head here. Being controlled. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? So they want your person, your identity to be in the front. But what have you given for that identity to be in the front of the uh, the front of the human experience? What have you given up for you to be a forerunner or a frontman or a person of notoriety in this earth? That's a rhetorical question. Icon. I, it'll be an icon in the earth. So look at this here. This goes. This leads us right into our second message here uh for script here let's look at this one here matthew 4 uh matthew chapter 4 verses 8 through 10 i'm getting to that it says again this is when christ yeshua hamashiach also known as jesus the christ christ jesus however um the 
East African. Yes, those who have listened to us know that East Africa uh, is the land where Jesus Christ abided. It was renamed Middle East through the British way back in the 18th century. Colonization. Through colonization. They wanted a way to distinguish one part of Africa from the other. Okay. But they all were dark-skinned peoples, uh, land of the blacks, all that kind of thing. So anyway... He was going. He was. He was fasting uh, for his, you know, for the strengthening of his human experience and leadership that he was having to deal with uh, at the onset. And what happened was he was tempted during his time of seclusion for strength. So <laughs> that's a whole other story. It's like sometimes when you take some time off to really look into your inner self, that inner will, that sense, that intelligence that you have, to kind of, you know, take away all of the external noise and all the external factors, just look inwardly. That is a lot of times when the adversary tries to come to bring you a false identity, okay? Look at this here. And again, the devil took him, Christ, up on a very, very, it says very high mountain, and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and the glory, splendor, magnificence, and excellence of, the, <laughs> of them. Now, who did all that? You know, Christ was there from the beginning of the world. You know, he was with God and he was God <laughs> before the world began. So it's like, why, why are you going to come up here and show me my own house, you know, in essence? Verse 9, he said unto him, all these things will I give to you if you fall down and worship me. And Christ said unto him, get away, Satan, for it is written and forever remains written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, this is the, this is the oxymoron. God, God created the entire world and all they that dwell therein. Okay? All of it. Every mountain every beautiful waterfall, every drop of water in the oceans and rivers and freshwater, uh, lakes and rivers, every blade of grass on the earth, every plant, every type of, of, of botanical beauty, everything, the air, the mind, everything belongs to God. So how on earth are you going to let somebody try to tell you if you go bow down to this, you can have that which doesn't even belong to him. First of all, the number one thing you have to understand is your sense of ownership. When you own your own self, when you own what belongs to you, when you own your soul, your soul belongs to God, but you are the one who's the caretaker of it. You know, it belongs to you. Your heart belongs to you. Your heart belongs. Um, your mind is yours. It's not somebody else's. So why would someone else try to come in and try to give you what already belongs to you if you sit there and serve them? Prophet. It reminds me of the many cases of what I call, what is mainly called poachers, where someone is already living in a home and someone offers, another person offers that home for sale to someone else. Mm. 
and they sell something without telling you they don't own it. They offer you a deal on a land or a property that they have no right to even offer you. And then you buy into that deal Mm -hmm. and get there and realize this person had no right to sell me what they were offering. That's what the adversary does to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. He is poaching authority. Mm. He has no ownership. That's why the number one most important aspect of all humanity, of all human beings, is to understand your own personal value. If you don't value yourself, you will sell yourself off to others for a piece of something that already belongs to you. Mm-hmm. Verse, Psalm 139, verse 13. I love this one. Here it says, this is David recognizing his own self-worth. Okay, it says, for you form my innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks and praise to you, O Father, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my, look at this, what is it? My soul knows this well. Oh, that phrase, that one phrase, my soul knows this well. Do you know, do you understand, do you recognize, do you sense, do you have the intelligence to realize that you are a intrinsically, you are the most artistic creation of the Heavenly Father? Do you understand that? Does your soul, does the person that's within you, does your spirit, man, does your intellect, does your personality, does your identity recognize that you are fearfully and wonderfully, that you reverently and wonderfully made? And before there was a body positivity movement, God was already encouraging us to love ourselves, to know and to declare over ourselves that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Understand, it took me a long time and it's still taking time for me to understand my own self-worth. David understood his self-worth because he knew what he was created from. That's very important for us in the foundation of this message. Under, does your soul understand who the greatness, who is the greatness of you? Nobody can look down upon you when you look up upon yourself. David was looking up upon himself. Remember, he wrote these things in the middle of being a fugitive. People were trying to assassinate him. He running from different, uh, running from his own son, running from another person. He wrote these things while he was under attack. So when you are under attack, when people are trying to to commandeer your personal existence and scandalize your name. This is one of the most important seasons for you to understand your own personal value. 
David went through a 13-year manhunt under the guise that he was a threat. Not that he had ever done anything wrong. So he had to consistently affirm himself. And here's the power. He's affirming himself through song. He's affirming himself through music that he's creating as a fugitive worshiper, like I often like to say. Look at this here. Um, I want to get into this. And these are some things God gave me specifically about once you understand your worth, nobody can take that from you. In your workplace, in your social circles, in your recreational circles, in your own family, nobody can take away the value of who you are. No one, because it is a soul-centered strength. Okay? Understand this. Now, what God has given me about this thing about the invasion of these soul snatchers is, point blank, we have one of the, what's it, transcendental crises in all of humanity right in our face. The God of this world, known as the adversary, the one who tried to promise Christ all these things about the world, is out to replicate God's most prized creation, which is the soul of man. Point blank, the Lord has spoke to me and said that the worship of machines has become the new shadow slavery and idolatry. Machines becoming the masters and humans becoming their property. Prophet. And we want to clarify because we don't want anybody leaving this teaching thinking that we're saying machines are the devil. That's not what we're saying. Machines are amoral, meaning they have no morality. Who is programming the machines becomes the larger ethical issue. The issue here we have is that machines are programmed to be humanly intelligent. Program to be humanly intelligent. And humanity, through mainstream media and other means and educations and indoctrinations of this world, humans are being programmed to be crude and robotic. So there's like a flipping of the script. Humans are becoming more robotic. Machines are becoming more humanized. This is the battle for the soul. And the Lord has spoken to me and said that there is a conquest for godship or guardianship of humanity. The trafficking of the soul is the new heist.
The trafficking of the soul is that new heist. Just how they were trying to round up the Africans and, and took them out of the point of no return in Ghana, you know, you know, on ships and all these different things. Well, this has all turned digital now. Prophet. And that's very important and powerful to note because I don't have to physically take you into enslavement if I can dig digitally enslave you. Right. That's what it is. That is the, the battle for the soul has become a digital fight. Why is that? Let's look at foundations. Let's go to some roots of these things that God has been dealing with me about. This is very heavy. We're going to be in this for a series for a little bit. Invasion of the soul snatchers. All right. We have what's called artificial intelligence or what's known as AI. AI is a buzzword. That's like the new, um, that's a new password for this society and we live right now. A password of success. AI, 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 AI this, AI that, AI this. Well, look at this. The founders of AI were British and English Caucasians, males, born and raised during the height of the Jim Crow era. One, Alan Turing, born 1912, deceased in 1954. Alan Newell, 1927, born through 1992. Herbert A. Simon, 1916 to 2001. Big name here, John McCarthy. Yeah, I've watched Terminator series, John Connor. <laughs> you know, anyway, let me get not get into that. John McCarthy was a notable person as a founder, born 1927 and passed in 2011. Marvin Minsky, born 1927 to 2016, expired. Now look at this. Minsky, Marvin Minsky, he was a firm believer, look at this, that the human mind was no different than a computer. So he already, these founders of AI, Caucasian men, whose lives were in the heyday of the Jim Crow era, were the founders of AI profit and over this past weekend um mr muskrat and i want to say his full name but he just bought out the website for ai it is now that site now belongs to him as he increases his study into AI. Well, look that's at where this. we are present day. This, this is horrible because look at this. This is what the Lord had, and, and these are things I never really saw until the Holy Spirit began to bring uh, understanding and revelation to me on this. Slavery was abolished in the, in the United States, but the repercussions of loss of these 
quote unquote human crops were a catalyst for creating a human thinking crop. Like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, oh my God. In other words, they couldn't enslave the human being and that revolt went into inventiveness on how to replicate the human soul so that you don't need the human being. Mm -hmm. The ability to manufacture and reproduce the human mind is the highest form of treason in heaven. <laughs> oh, I pray you're getting some out of this because it is really, this is going, um, this is heavy duty for me and I'm trying to get it to you, okay? Uh, the term AI, before I get to that, the Lord gave me a dream like 25 years ago, which I would begin to share later on in this study. And that dream was so soul-shaking for me that even after 25 years, 24, 25 years, it still rattles me when I think about the repercussions of this AI. Look at this. The term AI was attributed by John McCarthy of MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He defines AI as the construction of computer programs that engage in tasks that are currently more satisfactorily performed by human beings. So their mission was to create computer programs to do tasks that human beings are able to do. Things with like what? Perceptual learning, memory, and critical reasoning. They were trying to, they made a mission to take what the soul is able to do and to translate that into a computer program. So now, in the summer of 1956, the Make America Great Again era, at Dartmouth College, funded by the Rockefeller Institute, was considered the founder of the discipline. So, 19, I mean, I know 1950s, 1956 particularly, at this conference, okay, it really was the birth of AI. AI, artificial intelligence, is a machine's ability to perform cognitive functions as humans, like perceiving, learning, reasoning, problem solving. These founders were trying to replicate the human soul through computer programming. God said all souls belong to him. God created every human being that ever, ever, ever existed through all human humanity, 
All right? He's given them a soul. Every person has a soul. Can think, perceive, have identity, have will, have senses, and all these things. And the mission is to compete against the creation of the Almighty God. AI is said to be a science that mimics human aptitudes. In other words, this is where it gets really difficult. In a nutshell, the machine does not need to be explicitly programmed by people. In other words, what they're creating is a computer program that programs computer programming. That's machine learning. That's the subset. The subset. Okay. So the big five ideas of art, the big five ideas of artificial intelligence, those five being a hand, five being number of grace, also be number of terror. All right. Was perception, representation and reasoning, Idea three was learning. Idea four was natural interaction. And the big idea number five was societal impact. So we have to understand very clearly that we have to understand the missions of AI through the founding fatherhood of AI is to replicate human, human thinking. We don't need a human anymore because we have programs and computing that can think like humans. Profit. And the only problem with this is you are extracting a human capability like reasoning and you are divorcing it from things like morality, right. ethics, mm -hmm. and conscience. And so we have to understand, they call it the mad scientist theory. But mad scientists, when they take what their inner desires are, based on our cultural and their, you know, cultish gleanings, and they place those biases within what they create. So when you look at the founding fathers of AI, no woman involved, all Caucasian men, of British and English background during the time of shadows, I mean, of, 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 of Jim Crow were creating programs based off of their biases to be male, Caucasian, dominated patriarchy over the world. So they took that cultural idiom and placed it into computing so the computing can think like that component of humanity. And we are wondering why there is so much coded bias already in there. <laughs> no consideration for the lens of other ethnic groups. Or genders. And no consideration for the lens of another gender. Right. So we have to understand. We look at people as intelligent, but let me give you something here. Okay. Okay. Romans 8 and 21. 
just breaking it down for you bit by bit here, okay? Um, verse 21 of Romans 8, it says, For even though they knew God as the Creator, they did not honor Him or give thanks for His wondrous creation. On the contrary, they became worthless, look at it, worthless in their thinking, which is godless, pointless reasonings, and silly speculations, their foolish heart was darkened. So in that sense, when you look at this here under the lens of what's happening in society now, you recognize the fact that there are people who know that human beings were created by God, but they don't want to acknowledge God as creator. They want to come in and come up with their own thinking to create something that replicates what God created. And the scripture refers to that as being a heart that is darkened. And I want to re-emphasize again, when it says worthless thinking or godless thinking, it really is talking about thinking without morals in mind. Exactly. Thinking without ethics in mind. Mm -hmm. Thinking without a social conscience, mm -hmm. good conscience in mind. God is, God is moral. God is righteous. God is a God of equality. He created all human beings. God so loved the entire world. Not just one ethnos or a gender. He loved everyone. So when you come in and create a system of thinking based on Caucasian male patriarchy, you are minimizing the full extent of the creation of God in humanity. Oh. Are you getting, hopefully you're getting some of this. I, I pray you, I'm giving you something to think about here. All right, look at this. Artificial intelligence now, and this is where it gets really interesting here for me. Artificial intelligence was identified as far back as 700 BC. 700 BC in Greco-Roman mythology. There's, there's a historian named Adrian Mayer, okay, who's, who studied this concept of prehistoric or early AI thinking, said that robots and self-moving objects appear in the work of ancient Greek poets. Hesoid and Homer. And this was around 750 to 650 BC. All right. There is an individual or a story of Talos, T-A-L-O-S, mentioned that offers the earliest conceptions of a robot. Or artificial intelligence, rather. That we know so far. That we know 
that's been clarified by historians so far, okay? It describes that Talos as a giant bronze male built by the Greek god of invention and commissioned by who? Zeus, king of the Greek gods, to protect the island of Crete from invaders. He marched around the island three times every day and sent boulders out to approaching enemy ships. So when we look at this whole concept here, is that we have Greco-Roman mythology creating artificial intelligence to protect its own identity while yet pursuing the concept of colonization and genocide in the earth. That is one big gigantic oxymoron. Mm -hmm. You are writing about artificial intelligence to protect what is yours while you go out and try to take what belongs to other people. This conquest over humans has been alive since the days of Lucifer attempting to usurp the throne of God. The end game in this AI, I tell you, from a spiritual aspect, is to denounce God's most prized creation as enemy of the earth. The, the, and the Lord and the Spirit is speaking to me, and, he, and I'll start sharing in this dream, which I, if I get to it today, hopefully I get to it. The end game is to have a rise of artificial intelligence that will consider humans as invaders. When I begin to study more about this, uh, particularly out of Revelation 9, which we'll go to at another time, is that Revelation 9 discusses the intensity of Abaddon or Apollyon in Greek, whose name is Destroyer, all right? A destroying angel. So in other words, this destroying angel is up from the bottomless pit and lives around the places of what we call the unalive. This is what the Lord is really specifically saying to me, is that when we give over our soul to a system, our soul makes up who we are as a human. But when you give over your soul to a system, the human spirit becomes a walking tomb. Meaning, zombie. <laughs> Why do you think we have so many different um, mainstream media programming about zombies? Zombie accomplice, zombie this, zombie that. That's basically when you strip the human soul of its identity and you have a walking corpse going around. Prophet. I want to go back because you're, you're saying a lot of intense concepts that 
you might need to slow down and repeat. Because I know that you are moving, you are forward speed march. But I want to go back because when you say the end game is to denounce God's most prized creation as an enemy of the earth, there are entire organizations that have a name to them. One of them being eugenics organizations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they don't say, they don't come out and say human beings are an enemy to the earth. They say it in other ways. They say it like environmental protection. Mm-hmm. They say it like population reduction. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're not going to say, oh, we think that 95% of the human beings on earth are not worthy of being here. And we really want to eliminate 95% of the world's population. But there are literally organizations who want to do that. Mm-hmm. Eliminate 95% of the world's human population because they feel as if human beings have to have a purpose to exist. Not just that God created you, mm-hmm. but they feel like if you are not quote unquote producing in the systems of things like capitalism, then you don't deserve to be alive. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have to, um, understand that. I just want to point that out that mm-hmm. there are organizations who already see human beings mm-hmm. as an enemy of the earth and its resources. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, um, when we start giving our soul over to these systems that already have an anti-human bent to yes. them, you can become a walking tomb because that is exactly what they want you to become a shell of, of a human being. Mm-hmm. Very good uh, insider information, Prophet Shante. We thank God for this. So, like I said, I don't want to rush through this here, but I want you to understand that this march towards automation, robotics, and artificial intelligence is a race against humanity. Let me explain to you something very that brings it very home. I was looking at Forbes and and Goldman Sachs had a very very powerful um, discussion around AI. They say that the workforce in the United States and Europe will be decimated upon AI's ascendance into all the mainstream markets. The investment bank, Goldman Sachs, says and estimates that 300 million jobs are on the chopping block or will be diminished because of the fast-growing technology of AI. Profit. And again, let us be clear that AI, the technology, is fast growing, but it is growing faster than their ability to deal with the ethical issues surrounding it. Right. So in essence, there's an ethical issue. Like and the Bible says, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't deserve to eat. 
So if you take away a man's ability to have a job or of an income-producing factor of his life, you take away their mind. You take away their intellect. You pull away from their personal identity. Many people's identity is established in their ability to produce and provide. And when you pull away that component from humanity, you strip the soul of purpose, profit. And one of their alternatives to this, which um, several communities here in the United States are playing around with already, is the idea of UBI or universal basic income. But what is universal basic income if it does not cover your basic bills? So again, they know that the technology is moving faster than the solutions that they're able to create. Hmm. They already are for, they already know this. And so again, like you said, when we take away people's ability to produce and provide for them their family, when you take away, well, we already know that that's going to create an increase of crime, right? When you take away people's ability to produce and provide that's connected to their identity, that's where you get into that transcendental crisis and even that existential crisis where people begin to have a crisis of identity. Mm -hmm. What on earth am I here for? Mm -hmm. If you're extracting from me the very qualities that make me human, mm -hmm. what am I here for? That is the game. And if you can be convinced that because you have no quote unquote use in this society that you should be taken out of this society, we are on a path to something very diabolical. Very diabolical. Like I said, in the beginning, and, and this goes back to um, some of the very things that we wanted to talk about early on. Lucifer wanted to ascend the very throne of God and usurped heaven. So he felt that he deserved to be God. But he was cast out of heaven and sent into the earth. So this whole concept of trying to outdo God and to decimate God's most prized creation, which is humanity, is a mission from the underworld. So that mission is taken on a form of digital intelligence. Digital intelligence. So what happens is if you can take away the soul, if you can strip the soul, if you can strip the soul of a being, you take, like we said, what is a soul? A soul is the identity, personality, senses, will, intelligence, memories, and memories of an individual. If you can pull that away from somebody, then they become a corpse. Mm -hmm. Look at this. Um, in current technical dealings, okay, in recent months, we've seen 
that the world has witnessed the ascendancy of open AI software called ChatBGPT and DAL-E, all right? ChatGPT surpassed one million users in five days of its launch. This is the fastest growth of a company in human history where people are signing on for something to tell them how to think. GPT is a device, is computing that wants to tell you human how to think. So we are subscribing to technologies to tell us how to be our own self. The other day I went to, we were doing some work in the house and I had to give the cost of some. The guy said 70, uh, you know, what, $75 plus $60, you know, this and that. So I said $135, blah, 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 blah. No problem. But mine, you know, knew that. I like math. I like math. I like math to keep my brain stimulated. Part of me, being me. I'm a creator, thinker. The individual couldn't even figure that out on his own, and he had to go to a device to figure out 70 plus, 75 plus 60. And at the conclusion of that, he recognized he came to the same conclusion I had. So what happens is we are having institutionalized dumbing down of humanity where we cannot think through basic logics, basic problem solving, and we're turning to devices to tell us how to answer things that we should know our own selves. AI will dominate market research. AI will dominate teachers. It will take over the teaching profession. AI will take over financial jobs, finance, and personal financial advisors. It says that AI will take over trading. AI, as we can see all over through different social media fe- features, is taking over graphic and artists. People can no longer tell, and this is, this is the concerning part. When you think about imagery, people can no longer tell in on many sites. Cause I've seen this in real time. They can't tell the images of people being generated, whether they're real or fake. Right. Because right now at this stage with, with um, chat GPT and open AI, the open AI site is the site that was bought this weekend by Elon Musk. He took over that site. That's a whole problem in and of itself. But to see people at this point, chat GPT, you have to speak to it and give it prompts. But it is still spitting out based on information that is pulling from everywhere. And people cannot tell that these images are not real people. They're congratulating people. It's writing storylines. It's writing visual scripts, and I'm literally seeing in real time people not be able to tell that these people are not real. So they're sharing them. People are sharing these images as if they are real people. Mm -hmm. Now, some of us recognize if you're in the artistic world, 
you can kind of tell from some features on it when it's not real, but the average person cannot. So there's a blurring of the line happening now moral. between not just the moral, but there's a blurring of the line happening between what is real and what is fake. What is fake? Fake evidence appearing, appearing real. Fear. So in other words, this is what's happening at the onset. They've been working on this since the 1950s. Mm-hmm. There, was a, there was a winter period for like 30 plus years uh, where AI went in the background and wasn't really a feature. But during the birth of the social media age, that, that beast came back to life. It reared its head again. And people are flocking to give all what they have of themselves to a machine that is programmed to think like humans. And now you see things being created as if other humans are existing. So there's alternate realities happening in real time right now. Five years from now, what is going to be in the world? Romans 8, 15. I'm going to pause here with that because I'm not going to get to my uh, dream. I'll start that next week. It says, Romans 8, 15. It says, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear, okay, to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father. The machine is not the father. Machines are not the creator. Machines are a tool of enslavement. You go on an average American teen and look how many hours are logged on digital means that have no base of production, just mind-absorbing content-grabbing of humanity. And it's hours upon hours upon hours of activity happening And no production profit. And so again, do machines have a morality to them? No, they are amoral. It is what people are doing with the machines that can lead to their detriment. So whether you are on them in an addictive capacity, whether you're being um, drawn into using them with no boundaries and no restrictions, There are some countries now that are putting automatic restrictions in for their young people because they realize the addictive properties that's happening with technology. Meaning that they have automatic shutdown times on devices for children. The United States doesn't have that, okay? So as we close out, we do want you to think about What are the boundaries that you are setting in your life around AI? Because you have to set them. The world is not going to set them for you. Last thing I want to say, the more clearer and present danger is what they call 
machine sentience. This is when the machine becomes a knower and begins to think like a real human being. Yes. There have been some tests on this all, all recently, and they have, mis they have destroyed those AI because they are becoming sentient. And as you said before with the machine learning, that's when the machine begins to program other machines. Exactly. So and that's the, where we're headed. And the foundation of all this AI was developed in the 50s through six Caucasian men in the height of the Jim Crow era. So all of these foundational aspects of AI are literally a rebuttal or, or is a revolt against the freedom that was given from slavery to re-enslave again, but only through a digital space. And let me pause there. God bless you. Um, oh, Jesus. We're going to talk about this dream extended next week. If you Hold on to the edge of your seat because you think you got something now. Wait till you hear what this dream was God gave me 25 years ago. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this message here, this alarm, this red flag of humanity. Lord, we pray that people would hear and adhere to what the Spirit of God is saying. What you are saying, not just to the ecclesia, but to humanity at large. Father, we pray that we don't know how, but you are all-knowing. And Father, you are all-powerful. So Father, we ask that you would lead us and guide us and protect us through this time of AI annihilation of human soul. Attempts. Attempts to annihilate the human soul. And Father, we pray that you give us spiritual wisdom to, to, to denounce, to not engage, to not support things that would be to the detriment of our soul or to the snatching of our soul, we pray, in the precious, most holy name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ. Amen and amen. So we pray.